Before we get going, here's a little tease. Around this time of year, some of you in the Northeast begin to see flowers popping up all around you in the woods and fields. But no one planted them. So Eliza wants to know... Why do flowers grow wild? Keep listening after the episode to learn more. But Why is supported by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings may vary. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from Vermont Public Radio. I'm Jane Lindholm. On this show, we take questions from kids all over the world on any topic you want to learn more about. And it's our job to track down interesting people who know something about what you're wondering. And then they tell us what they know, and we all get to learn something cool. On the day we're putting this episode out, it's almost the middle of February. Which means, in many parts of the world, it's almost a day that some people choose to celebrate love. A day called Valentine's Day. As part of Valentine's Day celebrations, you might see big red and pink hearts in stores and on candy and chocolates. But why is the heart a symbol of love? And why doesn't the heart shape look more like a human heart? We reached out to two brothers who have thought a lot about the human heart and even written a book on it, and we're going to talk with them today. Hello, everybody. My name is Stephen Amidon. I'm a writer. I write novels, and I write screenplays, and I write articles for newspapers. And um, one of the things I also like to write is books that interest me, about topics that interest me. Recently, I've written a book about the human heart with my brother Tom, who's a, uh, who's a doctor. And I thought it would be interesting to look into how the heart uh, is part of, of, of what the things we talk about with things like Valentine's and so forth. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Tom Amidon. I'm Stephen's younger brother, and I'm a doctor. And I am what's called a cardiologist, which means I take care of people who have heart disease. I treat people with medications, and if they have clogged arteries, I open them up, and I talk to people about having a healthy lifestyle. We have a lot of listeners who have questions about hearts, and since Valentine's Day is coming up and there are heart symbols all over the place and people keep talking about hearts, if you listen to the radio or you watch TV, we thought it would be a good time to explain a little bit about, maybe a little bit about the organ itself, but also why hearts are associated with love. And let's start there. My name is Charlie, and I live in Austin, Texas. And my question is, why do hearts mean I love you, and why do they make you kiss? Hi, my name is Leah. I live in Berkeley, California. I'm almost eight, and my question is, why is a heart a symbol of love? Maybe we should start by understanding what the heart actually is. Here's Tom, the cardiologist or heart doctor. The heart sits in the middle of your chest, 
and it's a pump. It pumps blood to your body and it beats about once every second, which means if you live to be 70 years old, you have 2 billion heartbeats. And it does that with almost never missing a single beat. And it does it without you having to think about it, which is a good thing because you'd otherwise have to think 2 billion times in your lifetime, I want to have a heartbeat. I'm Quinn. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm five years old. And how do hearts beat? My name is Zia. I live in Pines and I'm six years old. My question is, why do hearts beat? My name is Graham. I live in Indiana. I got a question. How does a heart work? Avery from Petaluma, California. I'm age eight. My question is, how does the human heart work? So the heart is a pump. It pumps blood to the rest of your body. And it's actually two pumps. One side of the heart pumps blood to your lungs. And that's where blood picks up oxygen, which your body needs. And then the other side of your heart takes that blood that has a lot of oxygen in it, and it pumps it to your brain and your arms and your legs so that you can do things. And the heart is a lot like a house. The chambers of the heart are like the rooms. You have valves in the heart that allow the blood to only go in one direction. And they're kind of like the doors. And you have arteries that supply blood to the heart muscle itself. And that's like the pipes that bring water to your kitchen and your bathroom. And then you have an electrical system that tells the heart to beat every second. And that's like the wiring of your house that lets you turn on the lights and turn them off. And so you have you have rooms and doors and plumbing and wiring. And uh, all of that is so that the heart can pump blood to the body so you can do things. Okay, so that's what the heart does. But I didn't hear anything about love in there. So why did people think the heart had anything to do with love? Tom says one reason is because sometimes when you see someone you really like or have affection for, you might get really excited to see them. And your heart might start to beat a little faster because you're excited. And all of a sudden you become aware of your heartbeat, whereas previously you weren't aware of it. And then you think, well, there's the person I really like or the person I love. And now I'm feeling this sensation and pounding in my chest. That must be where the love is coming from or where it resides, where it lives. When you look at someone who you really like, you don't feel it in your kidney or your liver or other places. And so I think the heart is the organ that you sense when you get excited. And uh, that's, I think, why uh, people associate the heart with strong emotions. My name is Elizabeth. I am eight years old and I live in Burbank, California. And my question is, do we need a heart to love or does the brain do it? Here's Stephen. Let me put it this way. Sometimes when you get older, you'll feel affection for people and you won't really know why. It's not really completely 
something that is rational. By rational, I mean is in your brain and you can think about and it makes sense. So I think one of the reasons why the heart has always been associated with love is because people can't really control who they fall in love with uh, all the time. And that's why we say it's not the brain, because in your brain, you should love all these people who make sense, but rather your heart, because it's something that's beyond your brain that's, that, 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 that is deeper within you. And the heart, as Tom just said, is deep in your chest. And it's, it's just a, a place where you, you maybe feel things that you don't always understand. Tom, do you think that's uh, a romantic idea or does that have any basis in science? Well, I think it's mostly a romantic idea. If you talk to a brain scientist, uh, he or she will tell you that the part of the brain where love and emotion comes from is called the amygdala. And if I had to choose between sending a Valentine's card with a heart on it or an amygdala on it, that's pretty easy. I'm going to go with the heart, but that's not really a rational decision. Can you imagine sending little boxes of candy with amygdalas with uh, with notes on them. Well, I can now. <laughs> now I'm enjoying that thought. <laughs> so, so the science actually tells us that emotion resides in that part of the brain. Uh, but that's not really romantic. And you don't really feel your amygdala when you look at someone that you're in love with. And, and I was going to say exactly what Stephen said, which is oftentimes... Uh, love is not something that makes sense. It's not something that your brain figures out. It's something that just happens. It's not something you think through. And so that's why we associate it with a different part of the body. Okay, so that all makes sense, more or less. But why do we use that symbol for a heart? You know, the one with two rounded humps on top that meet at a point at the bottom? It doesn't really look like a human heart itself. So how is that heart symbol the symbol of the human heart, and the symbol of love. Take a wiggle break if you need one, but don't go far. We're about to find out. But first, a message for the adults who are listening. Support for our program comes from Oak Meadow, providing secular, student-centered homeschooling curriculum and a teacher-supported distance learning school for K-12. Oak Meadow has encouraged kids to follow their curiosity and uncover the answers to But Why for 45 years. To learn more, visit oakmeadow.com. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. And today, we're curious about hearts, how they came to be the symbol of love, when, as we know now, it's actually a part of the brain called the amygdala that controls the love emotions. By the way, I think I really might make amygdala Valentine's cards for my friends this year. But also, why do we use a heart shape that doesn't match the actual shape of a heart organ. My name is James, and I'm from Towson, Maryland, and I'm seven years old, and I want to know, why do we draw hearts the way we do when they're nothing like the heart inside of your body? My name is Ainsley, and I am eight years old, and I live in Maryland, and my question is, why do people draw hearts different than real hearts? Okay, Sophia, what's your question? Why do we don't have hearts that are shaped like a shape of a heart? My name is Claire. I am eight years old. I live in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. My question is, 
Why is the body's heart a different shape than a Valentine heart? My name is Gavin. I am five years old. I live in Bloomington, Indiana. And my question is, why do people draw hearts when they love someone? We're getting answers from Tom and Stephen Amidon, two brothers who wrote a book for adults called The Sublime Engine, a biography of the human heart. Stephen says people have been drawing heart shapes for a very long time, and those shapes have been associated with love for a very long time, too. The heart really became a symbol of human love in the time of the Romans. So this was about 2,000 years ago. And what happened was um, there was a saint called Valentine, Saint Valentine, and he was a real person. And he lived about, like I say, about 2,000 years ago. And he was a Christian in Rome, so he was very, had to be in, they were, had to be hiding from the Romans because the Romans didn't like these Christians. And his job, St. Valentine's job, was to help people get married. And so he would arrange these marriages. And the, one of the, the, the symbols they used was this heart symbol, which was the secret code that they would use among people who were in love who wanted to get married and not get caught by the Romans. Now, why is that funny little heart symbol you see used for love? Well, there are two theories. One is that a Greek philosopher named Aristotle, who was a very smart man, had a theory that that's what the heart looked like. And you may ask, well, why didn't they just look at the heart and see? Well, because that was illegal. You couldn't do that. You couldn't look into people at this time. It was considered very bad, and it was something that they said the gods forbid you to do. So they had to guess what the heart looks like. And since Aristotle was the smartest man of all, they said, Aristotle, what does the heart look like? And he said this, and it's not too wrong. So that was one theory. The other theory is that there was something called sylphium, which was, this was in the time of the Greeks, that was a love potion. Now, I don't know if you know what love potions are, but it used to be believed if you would take a drink or a powder, you would fall in love with the next person you saw. And it was a magical potion and it was believed that it came from a root, you know, like a, a little plant called sylphium that was found in, in Libya, in Africa. And if you took this, you would fall in love. Well, the sylphium, which no longer exists, if it ever did, uh, looked just like the heart symbol we now use on Valentine's and I Heart New York and all of that. So those are some of the theories about it. But the short answer is no one really knows. <laughs> That's the worst. We have so many of those on this podcast. No one really knows answers. <laughs> I have so many questions from that. First of all, so w when Aristotle was alive and you couldn't look into somebody, did that mean you couldn't open them up and do surgery, but you also couldn't open them up even after they were dead? You couldn't look at a dead person's body to see what things looked like inside? Yes. I mean, it was forbidden to do that by the Greeks and the Romans and then the Christian church, the Catholic church. And it wasn't until about 500 years ago that somebody you may have heard of called Leonardo da Vinci and other Italian artists and doctors started looking inside the, the human body. 
And that's when they started discovering all the things my brother Tom deals with now. But before then, they were just guessing. They didn't know because they weren't allowed to do it. And they would get in big trouble if they, even on a dead person, that's right. And this plant, it may not have actually been a real thing. The, the, where one of the ideas of where this heart-shaped symbol comes from and the love potion this plant may not have existed? <laughs> well, there are drawings of it, so they think the plant existed. Whether or not it caused people to fall in love, I'll let other people decide. All we know now is that it doesn't exist anymore, so it may be extinct. A love potion sounds very scary to me. If I took one right now, the next thing I'm going to see when I walk out of this closet where I record is either my dog or my cat. And luckily, I love all of them already. But that sounds terrifying that you would fall in love with the next person you see. Well, there's a very famous play by, I don't know if you've ever on your show talked about William Shakespeare. He's a very famous writer, and he wrote a play in which a character takes a love potion and falls in love with a donkey. So um, so these sort of things, you have to be careful who you see after you take a love potion. But as of right now, we're not really sure they exist, but it's fun to think about anyway. Given what we now know about the heart and what that organ does and the brain and what that organ does... And given that we do now know the shape of a human heart, Stephen, do you have any idea why we still use that heart-shaped kind of emoji icon that people love so much? I mean, now we know that that doesn't even make sense. It's not the shape of a heart, and the heart doesn't make us love. So why do we still insist on using that shape? Well, I think it's basically, uh, as Tom suggested, a romantic idea. I think the further we come to understand the, the workings of the human body and what our brains look like and so forth, we want to hold on to an idea that we're just not machines. By that, I mean just like these machines that, that you can figure out. We all like to have mysteries and we all like to have secrets. And that's kind of why I think we hold on to this romantic notion that there's something that doesn't look like a real human heart, which would probably be just as upsetting to send a chocolate looking like that as, a, uh, <laughs> as an amygdala. Well, there you have it. We like the idea that the heart is where love lives. And we like that symbolic shape that we put on cards and candy and use as a kind of shortcut way of saying love. Even though we now know more about the science of love, sometimes people just like more romantic or fanciful ways of thinking about it. If you celebrate Valentine's Day, maybe with your classmates or your family, I dare you to make an amygdala cake or card this year or one shaped like an actual human heart, and see if you can help people understand where the feelings and emotions of love actually come from. If you do, send us a picture so we can see your beautiful creations. And that's it for today. Thanks to Stephen and Thomas Amidon. They are the authors of the book, The Sublime Engine, a biography of the human heart. But Why is produced by Melody Baudet and me, Jane Lindholm, for Vermont Public Radio and distributed by PRX. Our theme music is by Luke Reynolds. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Until then, stay curious. Remember our question from before the podcast started about how wildflowers grow? This time of year, some flowers bloom in the woods and only live for a short, short time. For our series Northeast Nature, I went for a walk in the woods with naturalist Jack Markoski to learn more about spring flowers. 
What I love the most about spring ephemerals is that they have such this narrow window of time that they are photosynthesizing and, and appearing to our eyes, right? And so they're coming up from the ground after the ground thaws, so really short period, all the way to when the leaves come out in the canopy. And that can change in the year and really make it a magical time to find ephemerals. Ephemerals are a type of flower that's short-lived. That's what ephemeral means. Maybe you can find some on a walk in the woods where you live. If you want to get But Why for your classroom or home study, sign up for But Why Adventures Northeast Nature. In this monthly series, we learn more about what's happening outside, and we have curriculum and activity guides for all students. It's free, and you can find out more at butwhykids.org nature. From PR.